You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I would say like the confidence does play a little bit of a role, but I would say, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I feel like the more time you spend on the water makes more time that you're you're studying, right? So mm-hmm. if you go to to a handful of lakes and you're studying constantly and then you take, you know, two weeks off, you might not be in the loop of, of what's kind of going on there unless you do word of mouth. Yeah, um, that's true. But even then it could change day to day. And especially around here with the temperatures, like we just talked about being crazy all over the place at certain times, like it, it can change from day to day and it, it can, you can't find that rhythm. So, I mean, unless you're, you're out there often, it does become tough and it does start kind of hitting your confidence a little bit, you know, like I, I did take off a long period of time in the in the spring slash summer because uh, because of school and I had to. But you know, I was really excited to come back to the lakes and, and start studying again. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like the way you call it studying. That's my kind of yeah. studying. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's so true. Welcome to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast capturing the fly fishing life, featuring in-depth conversation with fly fishers from all walks of life. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop, your source for all things fly fishing. DamianAndy.com, featuring custom music by Damian Anderson. Find out more at D-A-M-I-O-N-A-N-D-Y.com. Broken Tippet Fly Company. For blog and fly fishing apparel, check out brokentippet.com. And Wait For It Films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, visit Wait For It Films on YouTube or at thewaitcreativeco.com. Get ready for the 2023 fly fishing season with the Fly Crate. We have hundreds of trout, bass, panfish, and saltwater flies, ranging from the classic elk hair caddis to jigged Euro nymphs. Join thousands of other fly anglers who fish with the Fly Crate. Listeners of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast get 10% off their first order, plus receive free shipping on all U.S. orders over $45. Order today. Go to www.theflycrate.com and use the promo code FLYFISH97 to save 10%. Well, thanks for joining us this time around on the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hopley, and we're going to do what we love to do, and that's seek out passionate fly fishers, fly tires from all walks of life. We have got a good one for you this time around. We've got Matt Krieger on the line out of Kamloops, B.C., Matt is doing some commercial tying. He's pro staff with Semperfly. He also ties for Casting Loops Fly Shop in Kamloops, Raid Zap, A-Rex Hooks, Naked Line, British Columbia. Matt, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Mark. Let's let's talk about how this uh, passion started for you. I, I know you tie a lot more than the average <clears throat> person, being that... Uh, you know, you are doing some commercial tying, a fair bit of it by the sounds of it. But walk us through kind of your journey into the genre of fly fishing. When, when did it kind of start for you? Well, <clears throat> I always wanted to get into to fly fishing, but I was a little bit skeptical because of watching other gentlemen 
or and ladies as well with the the fancy casting you know mm -hmm. um so i did spin casting for quite some time and um it came to me one day actually it's kind of a funny little story in july i had a an invite through a friend uh scott mccray his name is and he said you know why don't you come fishing with me on one nice warm windless july evening and i said absolutely so i made my way up to the lake and when i got there he already had the boat and everything set up and i walked down to the launch with my tackle box and and spin casting rod and gear and um i was told i was fly fishing tonight so <laughs> uh, i said okay and i walked back to my truck to drop off my stuff again and uh, the rest is history so to say after that first fish so yeah, what? That's an addiction. You you obviously clear it. That kind of sticks in my mind too. The first time I actually got a fish on a fly rod, and it's just the fish, right? There's nothing else, and it feels so different. Unbelievable! Like it's it's one of those things that words truly cannot describe, and you have to experience it on your own for yourself because it's it's just magic. Like it's it's yeah. and it really is an addiction. So your so, buddy Scott, would you say, you know, if you had to cite influences, it sounds like Scott kind of got you going, but like, um, throw some names at us. Are, are there some, uh, guys and gals you fly fish with now you've learned from, or, you know, uh, any, any maybe mentors from afar? Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of, uh, well, I mean, Scott gave me my, my beginning, thankfully. I mean, we used to hunt together as well. So, I mean, he was no stranger there and we we're actually coworkers for a while um so it was pretty easy but after that uh like anything i i do a lot of research on my own i i'll put it this way i, I got ocd up the yin yang so <laughs> I, I like doing my my self-research i like reading i like like everything from books and and on the web and um next thing you know i'm looking at, at figures like brian chan being being a well-known name in calentier as well Mm -hmm. um even to this day I, I can't get enough of of brian he's just he's a wonderful uh ambassador for for angling out there and he's just so knowledgeable and he's one of those guys that when he speaks you want to listen <laughs> yeah, exactly. um and so that was that was initially it and then you know next thing you know you're moving on to the other guys like phil roley obviously mm -hmm. um uh and a lot of the competition fishermen I, I picked up as well. Uh, like I mentioned to you before we got rolling here, Stanton Jack. Um, yeah. But uh, when casting loops, uh, a fly shop moved in and into my city here after a long um, <clears throat> void of having a fly shop in this town. Uh, Brian Danilkevich, he is a competition fly anger as well. Mm -hmm. And he competes with Stanton and... Uh, so that's when I started getting into the to the lock style uh, fishing and the way that the competitors fish, and it, it's just a different entity altogether. And it it's truly is amazing. It puts things into a different perspective. And I mean, if if you're always keeping an open mind, you're always going to learn something each time you go out or or from someone. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, guys like that, I started surrounding myself with. Love it. And that's honestly, that is the best way to learn, isn't it? Like, especially when you 
fairly new to anything, if you can surround yourself with people that have been doing it for a while that are good at it, it's just like a sponge and you just kind of soak it in. Oh, totally. And, uh, and you know, it's pretty easy when you share the, the same passion as, as these other guys as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty relaxed and easy. It's, it's not like a, a competitive sport, you know, like growing up and playing hockey here in, in Kamloops is another thing. So, yeah. Yeah, well, big hockey town for sure. Um, big sports town in general. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. You got some good skiing in your neck of the woods, and uh, well, geez, you name it. I know lots of softball tournaments in there too, right? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're pretty fortunate here in Kamloops. We don't know how, how good we've really got it. I mean, we're spoiled with all these lakes, and then, mm-hmm. like you just said, all the sports too. It's just there's so much opportunity for, for young people out there nowadays to to really hone in on anything they want to get into. Yeah, exactly. And and that's that's been a big move in my mind, Matt, is just having access to, you know, the technology as far as whether it's YouTube or just, just tutorial. I didn't say that right, but tutorial. To you know what I'm trying to say. What is that, a tutorial? <laughs> tutorial, yeah. Tutorial. That's it. A tying tutorial. You can tell I use that word rarely. Um, that. <laughs> It's amazing, though, isn't it, that when you can watch somebody tie the pattern you're about to tie, you know, whether it's Kelly Gallup or some famous fly tire, you just repeat the steps, and it's like, hmm, it's not that hard if you kind of see the steps. Yeah, it, like it, it's pretty cool, and, it, you know, I couldn't imagine. I, I feel pretty lucky in the sense that um, there is just so many resources available for, for people getting into tying. Like when I first started, it, that's that's just it. Like I... I started out with books and then slowly moved over towards the online thing. Cause I honestly, I didn't know that there was so much resource out there, especially online mm-hmm. nowadays too. So, I mean, we're really, really quite spoiled. Yeah. Without a doubt. Well, look, I've been looking at your patterns for quite a, quite some time now and you're doing some really good things. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And I want to do a deep dive into tying. I li- like, I-, I like to find out, we'll do that. Talk about, you know, the vice you're using, the tools you like to use, uh, patterns you like tying. Um, yeah. Maybe get it. I a... mean, you caught me at the vice right now too. So no way. What, what do you, <laughs> yeah. Okay. What do you got on the vice right now? Uh, I've been working on a lot of fall patterns, obviously with it being coming to a close, just re- mainly restocks for, for casting loops and, and uh capital inventory on my end as well but uh what i've got on the vice right now is i'm just spinning up a bunch of leeches nice fun fun in various sizes and colors and what's your cruise control what's your number one fly with casting loops that uh you keep having to retie because it keeps selling out well it's not my fly (laughs) (laughs) but every everybody knows it and it's like you can't go wrong with it any time of the year, any lake, you know, and it's Todd Oishi's Vampire Leech. Like oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's one of those ones that will never go away. And it's one of those ones that's always going to be in high demand. That's just how much people know it. It's just a time and time proven effective pattern. I remember the first time I ever fished that pattern and it just boggled my mind how effective it was. And I, I, I don't even know where I got it to begin with, uh, probably online. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's so good, and it's it's one of the, it's one of the ones that even if you want to have a good day, you can keep it on, or if you want to get out of jail, that's another one you can put on. I mean, it, it's just it's a lights out fly. Yeah, I love it. All right, let's take some time to get to know you in and around your neck of the woods. Um, yep. What's playing on the truck? 
on the stereo on the way to your favorite water? Oh, good Lord. Uh, well, I grew up out of town on a farm and we only had one radio station and that was 6, 10 AM. So with that being said, I still listen to a lot of oldies. Yeah. I like, I would say at the, at the top of the top tier for me is still the doors. I love the doors. Um, you know, riders of the storm. Uh, oh yeah. You know, it, yeah. It, it's the anthem, right? Like it, it's one of those ones that in any mood I can play it. Um, and you can always put like a, a past memory to a song, the doors, uh, a lot of classic rock, you know, Led Zeppelin. Um, but also I'm a strange cat. Like I like, I like everything. I'll listen to classic rock. I'll listen to rap. I'll listen to hip hop, nineties hip hop only. I'm not <laughs> going to go into the two thousands, but, uh, um, country even too. again, the older stuff, not the newer stuff. Yeah. Um, basically that anything sounds good, but yeah, I mean, I grew up with the oldies. I'm still, still an old soul. I still, that stuff sounds good to me. So, I mean, that's what I play on. 6:10 AM. Is that NL? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, it is. I had a couple of buddies work there. I actually used to work at the radio station just down the street in Salmon Arm. So, uh, I used oh, no to way. go up and uh, Chris Sotved was his name. He used to uh, work on NL, but uh, oh, yeah, 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 that's a good station. That station's been around a long time. And every single growing up, every single town basically had an AM station, right? And it was uh, it was a real scope of music too, like just a little bit of everything totally like i remember even as a young guy um taking the school bus in in the morning all the way from the country and it would be rolling stones it'd be the beatles it would be the doors and then just before school you get to listen to don cherry's grapevine <laughs> <laughs> or paul harvey's rest of the story right uh, good date yeah yeah i forgot yeah. about that that's uh yeah, it's funny how those syndicated shows, I used to have to play them all the time at just about every station I worked at. Paul Harvey was a big one, for sure. Yeah. Um, Good stuff. So l let's talk about your favorite pattern. We talked about maybe some patterns that, like, uh, Todd Oshie's Vampire Leech that maybe you just can't get enough of uh, commercially, but is there a pattern for matt that you go okay this is this is going on my line a lot because it's my go-to conf <laughs> confidence pattern as you say get out of jail free yeah i mean you know it's that's not that's a tough one that's a good question because it you know it really depends on what time of year depends to me on what i'm seeing out on the water depends on the situational like it's it really yeah it just depends but uh I'll break it down a little bit. Like, uh, if I were to pick a chronomid, it would be my, my, uh, JLo chronomid pattern you can find on my feed. Uh, it's probably not too far down. That's a popular one with, with others as well. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and that, that one's going to get fished in May, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but you know what? Like I, I started out being one of the chronomid guys and matching the hatch and, and doing the deep lining through and through all, all season long. Um, but you know, I've honestly moved over and again, mentioning that OCD, like I like the strip game. So hmm. I use, I use a lot of leeches now. Uh, I'm a big fan of them. You know, leeches, uh, can't go wrong with the vampire. Like I was mentioning before, or John Ken's pumpkin head. Uh, yeah. I've got a few balanced leeches that, that I use as well. Um, hmm. 
like a, a Canadian brown leech is a good one. My lizard king leech, you know, the purple, black, and, and chartreuse, like you just, those are all fish fish catchers oh, yeah. colors, and they, they just work. They look ridiculous. Um, cool. I know Stanton Stant Jack has always said it looks like disco stuff. And I say, <laughs> you're right, it, it totally does, but, you know, it catches fish. And uh, yeah. so, I mean, that's another one for me. Um, and then when we're getting into the summer doldrum, I love stripping small blobs on a type three, just ripping them through the water like a chainsaw. You're bound to pick up something. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny. There seems to be two camps. There's people that fish blobs and there's people that don't. <laughs> you ever, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm kind of, I don't know, man. I, there's something about that pattern I'm not that confident with, but um, man, does it ever work? Like I've seen some people clean up on it. Oh yeah, and it, and like I was mentioning to you about getting in with you know the competitors and stuff like that, and learning the ways of the way they style of fish. I never fished blobs like they did before. Learning that skill, like I always just hang them static and yeah. and pretend pretend it was Daphnia like the rest of <laughs> rest of us do, right? So yeah. I mean, I was pretty foreign in that aspect, but once I got on the the strip game with it, oh man, like it, you can't say no to that. So just kind of, are you hanging this on a, on a fairly fast sink line and then just stripping the heck out of it? <clears throat> yeah. Like a, a type three does the trick more often than not. I mean, it depends really how deep you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if you're, even if you're using a, a type seven per se, like yeah, that's when I'd probably throw on it like a booby just to get a little bit of float out of that. But yeah, stripping it really really fast strips varying your strips also at the same time and uh another one i learned obviously from brian himself is the roly-poly so yeah yeah <laughs> works well that's money right on Let, let's talk uh sports um you yeah, know if you're right, cheering you're for, sound like you're a big hockey guy but if you're cheering for your team who is that for hockey oh anything oh uh, Oh, uh, you're, you might want to edit this one out, but, uh, yeah, I'm a Canucks fan. I'm not editing. <laughs> Me too, man. Okay, yeah. so we got that. What about Blazers, obviously? Yeah, yeah, the Blazers as well. Um, they've been there since since I was a kid. Uh, I've been in love with them since I was about four years old. Uh, still hmm. got a soft spot and a sentimental spot for them. Um I, I've always liked them. They used to have those cheap, cheap night tickets at Safeway. I forget what night it was. Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? I was just about to say it was Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I used to go to a few of those too. Yeah, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? But they're still playing out of the same building. Like still, I I think you guys are off to a bit of a slow start, if I recall. I was looking at some of the dub stats. Yeah, yeah. They're still in the same barn and... uh it's a little bit of a slow start. They lost a lot of talent, obviously, to to the draft in the NHL. But uh, you know, optimistic that that they're going to come back here. I mean, mm-hmm. they've got good coaches in place. They got good supporting roles and good staff in place. So, uh, you know, always optimistic about them. Any other sports for you? Uh, you know, football, baseball, basketball. Is there any anything else you kind of follow closely? Yeah, I'm a baseball guy and I'm a football guy. Okay. What are your teams? Uh, baseball is the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have a soft spot for the Baltimore Orioles. My grandfather was a pitcher 
briefly for them so yeah 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 sports run in our family it's it's one of those cool things uh my mom was uh actually a competitive figure skater nationally and she's actually in the bc hall of fame so pretty proud of her um but yeah baseball is my grandfather's thing and then uh, i'm a huge football fan now like it's it's almost taking over hockey for me almost (laughs) (laughs) and your team is uh cleveland browns i cheer for the underdog uh you know what they're looking a lot better this year than they have in a long time yeah yeah like you know they're they're getting the, the coaches that they need and they're they're starting to do a lot more work um roster wise so they're they're making the right moves and uh could be nice in the next couple of years for me i could yeah you know my friends might stop making fun of me so <laughs> what well, can't always be about bernie kozar <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Who's your favorite yeah. favorite quarterback for the Browns that you can think of comes to mind? I'm trying oh, to think. Tim Couch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. him. Uh, there's yeah. another guy. Well, you had well, you you had Johnny Football, right? Whatever happened to him? Um, oh yeah, he got into some trouble, and yeah. that's that's when we thought, you know, oh, he's gonna bail us out, right? Like we we were excited as Browns fans to. Yeah, to see that, but unfortunately, it's just the way the cards played out. So, yeah, I just watched a doc a documentary on him. It was uh, fascinating. But uh, yeah, yeah, so that's cool. So we got a we got a feel for uh, kind of what you're into following. Um, what's your favorite place to get your fix in fishing? Like when you're not fishing, is it social media for you, or is it going into casting loops, talking tying? Where do you get your fill when you're not on the water? Uh, yeah, I would say it's a mix. Um, talking to my friends, uh, that's an easy one. Cause I mean, we, you could, you know how it is. You can talk for hours about fishing or, or tying. It just brings people together. And, uh, but I would have to say either my bench, like my tying bench, of course, or like you had mentioned previously, casting loops. Like it's, it's, it's like a coffee shop for us fishermen, right? Like we, <laughs> yeah. we, we go in there and, yeah, we'll buy a couple of things, but we end up, I end up staying there, you know, like it's, it's almost like the, the show cheers I'm, and I'm Norm. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hang out there and, and I'll talk to anybody that wants to talk and talk patterns, talk fishing, um, uh, you know, try and help people out at the same time. That's, that's yeah. what I like to do. So love it. Yeah. That's uh that's a big fix for me. Just going into a fly shop. I just, I just draw on that energy somehow and I love it. Love it. Oh yeah. It's like church for sure. Well, and I'm always in there for way too long. Usually spend too much money, but it's, uh, I, we don't have one in my town. Not really. So I have to go to Kelowna. Um, Trout Waters. Yeah. Trout Waters. The guys yeah. at Trout Waters are awesome. Um, big, yeah, they are. big plug for those guys. Um, I ran into Nick on a lake the other day, but when it, whenever I get into that shop, it's just, there's so much to look at. And, and I, especially in the fly tying section, I think I always feel bad for people that don't tie because it's like, when I go into a shop, I spend so much time just looking at different materials that I may or may not have that I may or may not need that <laughs> may or may not help my fishing, but they look good. <laughs> oh, I, I still do the same thing. I, I'll go into a shop. And whether it be casting loops or, or anything other, if I'm if I'm on the road and you go in with zero expectation that you're going to buy something and you come out with two hundred and fifty dollars less in your wallet, so <laughs> yeah, 
I did that. I, I did that with the first high-end fly rod I ever bought. It was a it was a uh, Orvis, and I, I had I wasn't even looking for one, and I'm like, man, this is too too good. I got to try it, but yeah. Anyway, then you kind of tiptoe in the door, you know. Oh yeah, I, my my one, and I and I hope my wife's not listening to this later on, but. You know the 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 garage is a good place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amen. Amen. For sure. Yeah. Like it. What's the biggest lesson, Matt, that you think you take from this whole pastime? Like, is it, what does fly fishing do for you? Maybe those are two quite different questions. I don't know, but I, I always like to kind of get down to the to the crutch of it. Like, why do you do this? It's a well. In the simplest form, I'm going to say the passion. Uh-huh. But if you want me to elaborate, it is, it's so many things. Like, uh, you know, you could be struggling with, with issues. Like, I mean, everyone's got issues um, in day-to-day living. And it can be therapy. Um, yeah, You can go out there and you can just be alone and uh, with your thoughts and, and come to, to conclusions. And, you know, really really think of some good solutions for whatever you may be dealing with at the time, or he, on the flip side, you can just go out and you can, uh, you know, call it a mental health day and, uh, you know, just enjoy being in nature and, and being surrounded by serenity. And it, it, it's just, it's really special. Um, you know, especially for me, that it, it fixes everything, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things that I don't think I'll ever get tired of going out to my favorite lakes, even over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, like it's, yeah, that, that's a tough one because it's just, it's so many things. Yeah. That's, that's well verbalized. I had somebody tell me once, it's not a need to, or a want to, it's a have to, you know, you got to at least get out every couple of weeks or every week just to kind of shake the dust off and, and shake out the cobwebs and, and kind of relive it. Oh yeah. And it's, and like, I, always say like you never get tired of it and when you go it's the same excitement is is new each time like it's oh i got a fish i got one on i mean we're not saying it that calmly but i am for the pod (laughs) but uh, well yeah no i get that if i could harness that energy of the just kind of when you're getting to the lake in the truck and you're about to rig your stuff up on the it's pure potential if i could harness that in the bottle man It'd be pretty good. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was doing a, a couple clicks of extra on my speedometer going up the road on the weekend there, I'll tell you that. But <laughs> once you're leaving, I mean, you're you're going in the speed limit or going under. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's true. Like, I'm lining my rod as fast as I can. Yeah. Hoping, hoping to God, you know, I'm not missing eyelets and, <laughs> and getting getting the fly in the water. So, yeah. How many, how many times have you done that, missed an eyelet, and, and not realized it? Especially if you're doing a, a couple of rods, you know, you're out there and it's like, oh man, look at this, right? How did I Oh do my that? gosh. I don't even want to admit it, but it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's got to be up there we just all, from pure excitement. We all do it. We all do it. Yeah. Um, it's the inner child in me. Yeah. Right. It's like Christmas morning, you know. For sure. Let's talk jobs. Um, yeah. Are you doing your best gig to date right now? Or um, what are some of the maybe careers, jobs you've had that you really enjoyed? Uh, well, I was a carpenter for 15 years and, uh, you know, straight out of high school, it was, it was one of those things that got my hands into and I really liked, 
uh, the aspect of using my hands to work instead of, you know, the typical office job, nine to five. That was that was fun, but uh, unfortunately, after 15 years of abusing my body, it's, it was time for a career change after a couple surgeries for me. So uh, this past year has has been a, more of a busy one. Um, had to had to do a career change and get some schooling done, and and going into uh, heat transfer engineering and refrigeration. So oh wow, yeah, use a little bit of my intellectual side more so than my physical side. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. That's good business. I deal, I deal with those guys on a daily basis. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were do this, put in a big chiller system at work and, uh, it's a game changer, but there's so much to know in that, right? So much to know. Yeah. Like to the general public, like they'll, and they'll, they'll never know. And, and in all fairness to, to the general public too, at the same time, but it, Holy crap! Like if you're dealing with a, an arena, there's a lot going on to make that ice. Oh yeah, that people don't know about and to maintain it to well, make you, sure that it's being used properly. You know your local grocery store when the uh, coolers go down. Guess who's getting that call at 3 a.m. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Double time, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Or, or or it's it's uh you know a hundred degrees in the middle of summer and the AC is doing the opposite right it's like oh man yeah yeah that's why I, I thought you know it might be a good thing especially out in Kamloops here yeah when it turns into an absolute desert in the summer it's it's one of those things that's job security man yeah for sure love it that's good stuff so let, let's start uh, talking about your uh, your tying business actually you know what I forgot something what's the worst job yeah. what's the worst job you ever had did you ever have a job that you meant I'm not gonna do that again or uh, not really to hmm. tell you the truth I mean I mean we can all become a little bit uh, complacent or stagnant with with our occupations over a period of time and um, you know carpentry was one of those things that I really love to do, but as, as the years went by and more responsibility got put on my plate, it, it did become a little bit, you know, not, not as exciting as, you know, waking up in the morning and, and jumping in your truck and rushing to work. You know, it might be, you know, a couple minutes just looking at your phone and checking the sports news before you leave the house, maybe having an extra cup of coffee. Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't really had any, any bad jobs because I, like I, I worked that one from all the way out of high school. So, uh, yeah, I mean, other than the basic summer jobs, you know what? I will say this, um, bailing hay in the summer and <laughs> yeah. bailing hay in the summer as a, as a teenager, that is not fun, especially in Kalamoops 30 degree weather. Oh yeah. Hot and itchy. Hot and itchy. And you come out just totally scathed on the arms. Um, and it's once you're done, it doesn't matter what age you are, you are sore <laughs> and you're tired. Love it. All right, let's talk about your time. We got Matt Krieger on the line out of Kamloops, BC, uh, the Naked Line BC commercial tire pro staff with Semperfly, uses Raid Zap, A Rex hooks. Tell me about those A Rex yep. hooks, man. I've been hearing a lot of good things about them. Um, those that use them really seem to like them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I once I got into the commercial scene, I was looking for 
a hook that is going to be most reliable so that I would never get any anybody coming back to my my self business and and saying hey look your hooks are breaking on me your hooks are bending out on me so I pursued a hook that I found that that was good after doing R&D on them and fishing them myself for a long period of time and and that became ARX hooks I've fished a many hook or I fished many mm-hmm. uh, hook brands and ARX is the one that I decided that was going to be best for me and uh, I haven't had any issues whatsoever with them ever and uh, they have every single style underneath the sun, uh, just like every other brand nowadays. But it's one of those hooks that, you know, I know always know what to expect once I'm pulling them out of the package, whether it be for myself or for commercial use. So they look I'm a huge fan. They look strong, um, and I've seen some really nice gaps. Sometimes I sometimes I shy away from hooks that don't have much of a gap on them for some mm-hmm. reason. But uh, yeah. you know, I, I just think that the Especially if you're going barbless, you really need that gap. Oh yeah, for that that's a must, and that's it's another thing. That, like if there are certain flies that do require that profile of the hook, and they may not have that gap that you're you're preferring, right? Yeah. So I mean, you, I mean, at the same time, you can trim away from the hook point, but at the end of the day, you want to find a nice hook that's going to allow to have that gap that you're you're seeking. So yeah, do you, um so. When did you get on with Semperfly? Has that been a, a year or two or longer? Uh, actually, it was earlier this year. Um, I was fortunate enough that uh, I was able to get on with them. I always wanted to kind of get each company underneath my belt while I did my commercial work. Um, so Semperfly was kind of like the, the last on the Mount Rushmore for me. Um which being thread and other various materials at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, prior to that was, was Raid Zap and A-Rex, and I did a short stint with uh, Upaven as well. So, okay. yeah, that was, that was good. So when you're coating your flies, like say you're doing your chronomans, because I know you tie a lot of um, midge patterns, mm-hmm. chronomans patterns. What, what are you coating them with? Is that kind of a Raid Zap thing, or is there different uh uv resins you're you're doing what are you up to there yeah yeah i mean the the base one and i think the one that i I mostly use nowadays would be your zap super thin um honestly it's like water and that's kind of the desire that a karaniga would really go seek after like it's Mm -hmm. it it lays down super flat and as opposed to like say a nice thread i mean you can't notice it the first coat but it also leaves like the perfect amount of sheen on it. And uh, um, it never leaves like oil residue or anything behind it or any residue whatsoever that, mm. um, that I don't want on my fly. So like it always leaves that, that shiny sheen that I'm looking for that, you know, a shuck may have. And uh, I've been super happy with it. Mm. And in the past, just like everybody else, I, you know, I still use the crazy glues here and there if, if my flies say don't have like a wire rib on it, I'll, I'll tend to use a crazy glue just for a little bolster and extra strength, or I might sneak a coated crazy glue underneath my resin even mm-hmm. for that matter. Um, but yeah. Interesting. Um, who inspires you when it comes to tying? I always l- like to talk uh, influences in the tying space too, because I'm sure 
Well, you you mentioned uh, Stanton Jack, and he's uh, we've had him on the show, man, a few times, and the guy, he's amazing tire. But um, walk us through some of your influences, some of the people that you look to their patterns and go, okay. <clears throat> Looks yeah, good. I mean, I don't, I don't want to pump Stanton's ego too much, you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like when I when I began tying, it was um, the first people I saw on on social media. After I actually, my wife told me to get social media for tying, so I finally gave in. But the first people that I noticed straight off the bat was indeed Stanton, and I thought this guy's incredible. And uh, I'd never tell that to him to his face. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, him uh, and, and Wes, uh, Wes Penny, oh, yeah. obviously right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, another good guy that I, I still talk to as well. Um, Jeff Rowley. Uh, yeah. He's incredible, incredible with deer hair. Like just an absolute wizard. Uh, like you had mentioned earlier too, Davy McPhail. Uh, um, and his tutorials are he's he's one of his own kind and uh yeah. suntow he's he's absolutely incredible and to be on the the same team with with a few of those names too with semperfly like it's yeah it's crazy and uh you know even deb pascal as well like she's yeah. she's uh um one of the people i talk to if not on a daily basis or a couple times at least a week and yeah um like her soft hackles are incredible so yeah, she she does some good work for sure. We've had Deb on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like Semperfly's really got a stable of really solid tires and just good all around people. A lot of good company, a lot of good company, and there's more tires that I'm seeing coming onto the scene now, and mm-hmm. uh, or tires that have just popped up and and they're getting making a name for themselves out there too, like you know Brandon Molzan and yeah. you know dropping a lot of Semperfly guys here, but. You know, people like that, like, yeah. you know, they, they do a lot of good in the industry, I so to say. And, um, you know, they do a lot of good with, with people interested in getting in a tie and helping out new tires out there as well. So it's, it's pretty cool. Let's, let's talk gear. So uh, what kind of vice are you tying on these days? Uh, now, and I'm definitely not bragging, but, uh, Renz Eddie master vice now. Nice. Uh, I've had a few vices in my day, uh, a lot of cheapos, <laughs> yep. a lot of price, a lot of price friendly vices. Um, but once I moved to Renzetti, I had a presentation for a long time, mm-hmm. but doing the commercial work, I, I did end up wearing it out and, uh, it's pooched. So I ended up moving on and, and I actually listened to, I'm, I'm going to name drop another guy. Uh, Justin Sander is another guy that I talk to, yeah. you know, a lot during the week too. He's, he's a good guy and, and he's a great tire too, but he switched me onto the master. He said, you know, if you're commercial tying, like you are, you need something that's going to be durable and that's going to hold up to what you're doing. And, and that's the master. I think the words he used was it, it's like a tank and <laughs> he's right. It's, he's absolutely right. So I got a purple master. No. Are you using a, a pedestal base or is it a clamp? pedestal i used to do the clamp clamp thing but uh you know i i started slipping out and and this this pedestal of mine i think it's five pounds i went with the the biggest one they got so Hmm. she's not moving yeah that's cool um that actually that changed my tying a lot because well it makes it 
a lot more portable in a way. You don't have to worry about ruining mm-hmm. anybody's tables or countertops. <laughs> you know, you can just adjust it. Totally. Yeah, it's it's pretty handy. I mean, when I went down to Vancouver for school earlier this year, it was one of those things I had to pack. I mean, my mm-hmm. pedestal vice and and two big trunks of materials too. So it just made it made it with enough room in my in my pickup truck, but I was good to go. Do you tie mat with a waste basket or some type of catch all underneath, or are you just kind of tie over a garbage can? I'm always curious about that because I've seen a lot of people do it a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean, another thing like it really depends on what I'm tying. Um, if I'm doing, if I'm working with any deer, elk, moose, anything that's you know really messy and impossible to contain. Mm-hmm. I've got I've got my catch basket right underneath my vice, and I mean it's a must-have along with the vacuum as well. Hmm. Uh, but I mean day-to-day tying anything but deer hairs and stuff like that. I just have my regular waste basket beside me or in front of me, and yep. you know a quick quick snip and drop. So, what about scissors? What are you using for uh, cutting? Uh, I got a lot of different styles. Uh, I really, really, really like copter uh, scissors. They got a real fine point on them, which I sought after for a long time. I used a lot of different styles of scissors. I, I used Dr. Slick for quite a long time. And I mean, they're good. They're pretty good for, for what you need to do. But if you're really wanting up your scissor game, I know uh, guys use a lot of Reno Med. I've yet to try those, um, but I'm a huge, huge fan of copter scissors with the fine point, hmm. and they're ultra sharp. And I and I put them through my test, which is a lot of flies, um, <laughs> and they and they've yet to dull. So I, I haven't misused them yet with any wires or or anything that's going to dull them. So, but and they're still sharp as the day I bought them. That's awesome. It, it makes such a difference having good tools. What, what about when you're finishing a fly? Uh, mm-hmm. Normally, how many whip finishes would you do? Three. Okay. Yeah, th- three whip finishes. And, I mean, that's after I put a little bit of strip of glue on the thread just before my finished whip. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that's... I mean, it's fair to say it really depends on the fly again. Like it's sometimes you might undercompensate for what you're needing to do at the end. So you might build it up a little. I mean, we've all been there. Oh yeah. Um, but when you enough, you get into a rhythm, you kind of have a real good idea of how many whips you're going to do. So I'd say like average is definitely three wraps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just funny talking to different tires. We all develop kind of our own way to finish the fly I find. And, uh, yeah, it's three, four. I've heard five even sometimes, but I, I always think that's maybe a little too much. But you don't want bulk there either. Yeah, I mean, we're starting to sound like the the Gillette razor coming out with a new blade, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. the, the the more whip finishes, uh, the better. But yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right with the bulk. Um, it can add up pretty quick, it's especially depending on what size of thread you're using for for the fly and the the hook size that you're using. Yeah, it's like the what is it the mock? What are we at now? Seven, five? I don't it's know. Got, it's got to be seven. It's got to be seven. It's got to be more <laughs> I know, better. I, I think it started at three, Mach three. Yes, and absolutely. then it went to the turbo. And yeah, you yeah, talk about. I, I, <laughs> I can't believe how much razors are. That just floors my boggles my mind. Anyway, 
I do use yeah. razors. I I'll be honest with you, Matt. I use razors a lot on the bench. Like I do use them a lot for uh, cutting. Just like a, sometimes I just, I like to kind of pull up on the whip finish and just kind of mm-hmm. pull back a razor blade, and I find I never have any tag ins. You got to be careful though. You can easily uh, nick things. Totally. I, you know what, Mark is I I use a razor sometimes too, and then especially with cronies, like if you're getting um multiple multiple materials stuffed into that little hook yeah i mean there's nothing cleaner than than using like an artistic knife from somewhere like say michael's or a razor blade and uh like even on something like as easy as a chromie i mean being able to cut that tinsel super flat and hiding it underneath your whip i mean Hmm. it just looks cleaner i mean i'm sure the fish don't care but i know all the fishermen do so good marketing right well and that's why i think most tires really like a fine point scissor like those copter scissors you're talking about because you can really get tight to the thread i use like something that you know you'd scrape your windshield with almost like if you were getting some sap off your windshield i just with the replaceable blades and i just Mm -hmm. pull back and uh it works for me but um i yeah scissors Blades are so important, and especially on those small patterns. You know, when you're doing chronomets, you're trying to finish them off nice and neat, and you're not having to, you know, cover them with glue to make them look good or, <laughs> or re- resin trying to cheat. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Seen yeah. lots of them. We've all done but it, I, I, and I've done it too. So yeah. I mean, yeah, at one time or another. But I'm sure yeah. you don't have to do that anymore. I know your time. How many? This is a weird question, but like, any idea how many f- patterns you tie in a year? Like if you had to guess, uh, I did a count this past winter, and I, I don't know how many I've done this year. And by no means am I bragging about this, but I know just from November of last year to February of 2023, I did 13,800. <laughs> how so? How's the eyesight? <laughs> That's good. Uh, Still 2020, my optometer says. So Love it. Love I'll, it. I'll keep rolling with that until I need a magnifying glass. Do you use cheaters at all when you're tying small patterns or a magnifying glass or what do you, or like uh, any no. type? Of, no, nothing. No, no, I've been, like I said, like I've been really, really fortunate to to keep my eyesight yeah. as I get older and, Good for you. and as I have kids at the same time too <laughs> well that, that, that was one yeah. of the stipulations when i when i reached out to matt he's like yeah we can do a show for sure i just i gotta put the kids to bed first <laughs> i always love <laughs> yeah. hearing stuff like that because it makes it real for me yeah how old yeah, are your no, kids true. uh my my daughter just turned two last month yeah. and my son will be seven next month so oh, wow you get yeah. you get uh your seven-year-old out yet yeah absolutely yeah. um this past summer was actually a pretty big summer for him. And, and I would say even more special for, for me, honestly is, and that was getting a fly rod in his hands for the first time and catching fish on a fly rod, you know, like seeing that is, is more rewarding than catching a fish myself. And I know it sounds cheesy, but it absolutely is true. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's not the least bit cliche, like watching him catch a fish and being that excited just made my, myself so happy and and that translated into him you know following me down to the vice and then next thing you know we're at the flash shop and we're picking him a vice up so i mean he's Ah, he's starting to tie himself now too wow he's getting a head start love it Uh, and you know hopefully 
I tell him too. I'm like, hopefully you'll be better than me, buddy. <laughs> well, the cool thing about it, Matt, is it's something. It's a lifelong endeavor. There's, you know, mm-hmm. with a lot of pastimes, sometimes the body might kind of fail a little bit, and it's like, you know, well, I can't play that uh, indoor soccer, or uh, you know, I can't play rec league hockey anymore because I got to go to work yeah. the next day. But you can oh, always, yeah. almost always, get out in the water and uh, you know, hit the bench and tie up a few, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, now I'm sharing the bench here and there while he he's learning, and and it's it's just so fun. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's always going to be there. I mean, even when he gets older, and even when I get older, like it's it, I don't see it ever going away. What do you fish out of? I'm curious. Like, uh, I mean, you're in the land of journey boats. Um, are you a Spratly guy? Are you fishing inflatables? Um, <clears throat> I've I've got I've got all of the above. So I've got uh, I've got a fish cat uh, inflatable. I've got a twelve foot V hull. I've got a nine foot Springbok flat bottom, and and obviously the, the flat bottom is the is the go to nowadays. But um, I had back surgery about uh, two years ago, so I wasn't fishing out of the boat for a while, and uh, you know I was doing a lot of bank fishing to be honest with you just like mm-hmm. the competitors do when they, they come out from europe here for the, the nationals and and all that stuff and uh so i was doing a lot of bank fishing and uh just for a little period there and you know what like it it sounds like that would suck but i learned a lot doing that i mm-hmm. became a better caster first and foremost yeah um because i knew i didn't have that back cast room that i i didn't have like i do in a boat being uh spoiled in there like just unlimited back cast room so like uh, the first you know a couple times i struggled obviously and you're uh, but after that like it it really taught me discipline in that regard um what i can get away with and what i can't um so i did that for a little bit and it allowed me to also study the water differently too and mm-hmm. pick up on pick up on bugs and and all that and I, you know i was still catching fish uh a lot like i was, I was very very fortunate in that sense too and people would still putter up to shore and be like hey what are you using what are you doing and <laughs> i, I kind of chuckled to myself because i'm like i'm big fishing right now you know and it's it's kind of those things that you know you wish you were in a boat but uh yeah i'm still still producing out here too but yeah i mean the flat bottoms that go to i mean you got it yeah. it's it's the best one it's funny you're talking about bank fishing I don't think I bought my first boat till I was probably 20 years old. And it would just drive me nuts because you see all, you know, as a kid, you're on the shore. And, of course, you want to be out there. But, you know, you, you don't usually have a means to when you're pretty young unless, you know, parents have a boat. We didn't. Yeah. But I was always like, you're right. There's a lot of things you can take away from just fishing the shore that maybe you wouldn't notice. Um, and sometimes I think when I'm out in the boat, I tend to get too far from the shore, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like you kind of do the opposite anchor in deep and cast in shallow, but, um, it's a fascinating game. Are are you a big entomology guy? Like, is that something you spent a lot of time pursuing? Yeah. I mean, it's, it kind of goes hand in hand with, with tying and, and also timing patterns, uh, during the season as well. So, mm-hmm. but you know what, like, honestly, it just interests me. Like yeah. it's one of those things that Me too. um from the get go I I looked to and I thought, you know, this is kind of my thing. Like this is really cool cuz 
once you once you get the grasp the realism of a pattern i mean there's no stopping you to create any combination you want to for for any style of bug so yeah i mean entomology has always been uh top tier for me and then like i had mentioned previously listening to brian chan and him speak on entomology it was it was huge it was life-changing mm-hmm. i i started rereading this will sound nerdy but um bugs britannica or something like that uh book yeah. i picked up years ago and i just for whatever reason opened it up to uh i can't remember what it was uh you know what it was it was mealworms I, i'm reading about mealworms and you know as a kid we used to use those as bait i didn't realize yeah. they were the larva of like a little black beetle i had no clue and then i you know what else i learned yesterday some What's earwigs that? earwigs can fly i'm like no i they kind of have a thorax but i don't know yeah. if they all can i was reading up on it i i'd never seen it but um yeah. yeah i knew that you i knew the earwigs could fly but i i just learned something from you about about the the beetles so that's yeah. pretty cool well it, it, you know what it is to uh, the intro in this book is talking about how how important insects are in our world and we don't even realize it well i mean we do as far as pollination you know mm-hmm. um you yeah. know bees and but chironomids are probably doing some pollinating too and they're feeding the mammals and you know and bats and it's just there's so much when you dig into the details of something as tiny as a water flea or a daphnia and you really see what's yeah. going on under a microscope or even to the naked eye with a bit of help. It's pretty fascinating, and it's right in front of you, and you don't even see it. If You know what I mean? You have to look for it. Oh, it's so true. And, you know, more often than not, honestly, you just made me think, like, when I'm out there fishing, I love looking at samples. Oh. I love it. Yeah. Like, I could sit there and just and just watch them swim around in there and yeah. you know it's it's kind of like the little kid again in, in you with the with the ant farm as a kid catching bugs in a jar or whatever it may have you i guess this is the, the adult version right so <laughs> well the thing the reason i find throat samples so fascinating is because if it wasn't for throat throat samples i'm pretty sure i never would have seen a blood worm in my life but no man, well, I don't see them. I see chironomids. I see pupas. But I rarely ever literally just walking around see a bloodworm. I'll see it in the throat sample all the time. But it's like, yeah. you know, they're usually in the mud or in the bottom. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just something that I went. The different stages. That's what always fascinates me. And I, I think a lot of people that maybe don't do this don't realize how much work it takes that dragonfly to reach adulthood or, or how many years or how, you know, between the chironomid cycle from the ed, egg to the, like the bloodworm larva to the pupa to the adult, there's a lot going on there. And the trout yeah. really key in at certain times. Yeah, it's honestly, I mean, it's, it's almost medieval. It's like a death sentence because, I mean, good luck trying to ascend to the surface with, with all that car- cardio to start with, right? And right. then you're you're trying to dodge all these hungry trout, like, holy crow. Well, then you got Matt Krieger's patterns you're trying to dodge, too. That's not easy, right? <laughs> I don't know. I've been, it's a gauntlet. <laughs> I've been joking around with my friends lately, like, whenever we go to, to one of our lakes or whatever, I go, you know, the fish know I'm here, and they're going to go, oh, crap, here is again. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's barbless, they're good. Yeah, yeah totally. 
So um, what's what's new for you this year? I assume you're probably getting real busy. Sounds like you're you're getting busy with school and the job, but I'm sure coming into the winter season, and as we record this, I think we're supposed to get the first snowfall. Uh, Tomorrow. Uh, yeah, and it's what what is it? October 23rd. 23rd. That seems a bit early, doesn't it? Yeah, like our seasons, I think, in the past three years have been real strange. Like it's... There's so much variance. It's not like when I was growing up in Kamloops here. Um, you knew what to expect every winter. Mm-hmm. Like you get your, I think you get your meat, like all your meat of snowfall in, in December. And then you'd have a few snow drifts. And then, you know, it kind of start to slow down in January. But everything is, is so weird. Like last year, we didn't even have a fall. It just went uh, summer and fall winter like it was like excuse me where's my fall fishing (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're not wrong last year well that was the it was t-shirt weather in early november i remember that and then the next thing you know it was like 10 below yeah and and lots of snow and yeah that was hard but that's what that's what was that's why it was such a crappy year for most people fishing this year i mean the the trout the trout feel that right there all of a sudden that vegetation's still growing next thing you know the lake's locked up solid and it's going to rot and those fish aren't going to make it and... i know i mean that that was a huge huge concern i know going into this season this year is because of the winter that we had it got crazy cold in december like it was mm-hmm. i think the coldest it got was minus 28 in town here so i mean you can imagine what it would be like in higher elevations yeah. on those lakes and stuff and you know, like there was a lot of winter kill this year in, in Kamloops and in the perimeter of, of it too. So yeah, um, it, the lakes didn't get the proper turnover that, that they're accustomed to and the trout didn't get the oxygen that they require. So sadly, I mean, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. But if you're lucky enough to frequent a lake that maybe had a an inlet outlet flow with some drops fishing, I, I saw I in spite of it, I was blown away how many big fish I actually saw. I didn't catch mm-hmm. a lot of big fish this year. It wasn't a big fish year for me. Um, yeah. Be quite honest, it was not one of my most productive uh, fly fishing years in my life. I don't know why. I, I think I, I'm going to blame it on the winter kill, but I also didn't get out as much. <laughs> just too much stuff on the go. But I find sometimes if I don't get out enough, I kind of lose. You lose that little bit of confidence. You know how some days it's just it's working, and you, it's almost like you anticipate you're going to get a bite before you get it. Yeah, totally. I mean. I would say like the confidence does play a little bit of a role, but I would say, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I feel like the more time you spend on the water makes more time that you're, you're studying. Right. So Mm -hmm. if you go to, to a handful of lakes and you're studying constantly and then you take, you know, two weeks off, you might not be in the loop of of what's kind of going on there unless you're word of mouth. Yeah. Um, that's true. But even then, it could change day to day. And especially around here with the temperatures, like we just talked about, being crazy all over the place at certain times, like it, it can change from day to day. And it, it can, you can't find that rhythm. So, I mean, unless you're, you're out there often, it does become tough and it does start kind of hitting your confidence a little bit. You know, like I, I did take off a long period of time in the, in the spring slash summer because, uh, because of school and I had to, but, you know, I was really excited to come back to the lakes and, and start mm-hmm. studying again. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like the way you call it studying. That's my kind of yeah. studying. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's so true. Um, yeah. Paint me a picture. 
what's your perfect day look like? Um, are you hanging out with Scott or another buddy, you know, or are you on the still? Are you with your son? What, what does that look like? Your, your perfect day out there. I don't well, I don't know. It's a perfect day to, to begin with if weather permitting. Right. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm really into, into my kids interests right now, um, and watching them grow and, and being there for them and experiencing new experiences with them. And, and then the flip side, watching my son, uh, get into fly fishing, get into sports and being there to, to be a part of his journey along the way and just watching him smile and enjoy that. Uh, the perfect day for me on the lake though, uh, obviously just a little bit of wind, just a little bit, you know, just for the ripple effect. That way you're kind of camouflaged on the top water there and your flies can, can do a lot more movement and a little bit of dancing underneath just to, uh, enough to entice the fish without, um, giving up your, your spot and presentation and all that. But, uh, yeah, not too hot. Good temperature in the water. Um, I can't go wrong with any lake that's, you know, around the Calumps region here in Region 3. Uh, being out on any lake, I mean, I, I just love it. I'm, we're spoiled here. Yeah, we yeah. really are. Any preference on strains? Like, uh, would you prefer to fish for Panas or Frasers or Blackwaters or Horseflies? Is, is there any strain you like to chase more than others? Um, you know, it depends. Like I'm, I'm a little bit particular. I like, I like Panas for, for the fight, but I like the Frasers to, because the variance in size mm -hmm. and, and like just the look of them, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with either or, but actually, you know what else to this? Brook trout. Brook trout are my, my absolute Ooh, favorite. I like it. Like it. Oh, I love the patterns on them. I think they're absolutely gorgeous. I love handling them. They're so calm in the hand. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and like, they, I will say, like, even me sound kind of rookie, but they're not as slippery, you find. Nope. They're not as slippery as, oh, like, I a, agree. as a pissed off panasque. <laughs> like, they'll, they'll hang out for, for a quick picture, you know. They'll yeah. be courteous to you just if you're courteous to them. So, um, but no, mainly brook trout just because of the patterns on them. I think, like, it's just put it in the loose. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, they're beautiful fish. Different fight, yeah. different fight. You know, they don't get too aerial normally, but no. man, they can uh, they can bulldog it. I find that with the Frasers too, though. They don't, they don't usually jump a lot either, but they're pretty fish. Oh yeah, yeah. Can I ask? Obviously, you know, you and I are on the same page with that. So, <laughs> well, I it's just it'll it'll sound funny because I know people love those leopard kind of looking rainbows that are covered in spots, but I, I have a fondness for that real, um, panask kind of look, especially when yeah. you, when you get them in like, not necessarily a tea colored water, but a more of a clear lake, like some of the ones that, uh, well, we won't be naming names, but you, no. they get those snow white bellies and they look like a damn steel head and, and they just, yeah. they're like ghosts. Oh Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's breathtaking, especially when you net one and you just get to admire it while, you know, your your net's half in the water with the fish. Like, yeah. incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, we're we're lucky, I tell you. I feel that. Um, where, where are we at as a group? Like, as, as in your mind, Matt, um, 
what kind of state is fly fishing in right now? I think it's growing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I will say, like, especially with COVID, I think it really kick-started the growth of, of fly fishing because a lot of people are looking, um, you know, what do I do with all my time? I mean, everything, the world's at a standstill. What do we do? I'm not going to stay indoors, but I can't go, um, you know, to the mall or, or see my friends or whatever it may be. What, what am I going to do to occupy my time? What am I going to do to keep my sanity? And I think a lot of people turn to, to fly fishing, which is really cool because it gets people away from, um, I call it the mundane life, you know, the, the day-to-day stuff, you know, looking at the, the tablets, what have you, the video games or the, or the phones. It gets people up and, and experiencing what's truly out there because a lot of people haven't seen that before. And you know, when you see or when you hear people talk like I just saw the most beautiful thing in my life and it was out here and it was out at the lake or mm-hmm. the sky was beautiful or the trees or or anything like that. Like, it's just really cool because, like, yeah. I think um, I, I don't know. I don't agree so much with the techie stuff nowadays. Like I said, I grew up on a farm, so it's it's a little bit weird for me still. But, um, yeah, you can't be nature. You made me laugh when you said, my wife made me get some social media so I could, so I could get some fly time buddies or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't yeah. sound like somebody that just loves tech. Yeah. I mean, the, I think the first post I ever did was like, oh, let's see how this goes in the caption or something to, to that. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a great tool. I see it for what it is. Um, and it's nice to be able to connect with people, but it, you know, I don't want to spend all my time on there. I want to be experiencing life as it what it should be, and that's that's out there. You just made me think of something when you're talking about you know putting things out there on socials for uh, patterns and pictures. Yeah. What, what do you do day to day for your pics, Matt? Are you just using a normal kind of iPhone, or are you uh, are you dialing that up, or what do you do when it comes to capturing that pattern? Uh, I haven't splurged and I haven't done the, the nice, nice camera like a lot of people do. And mm-hmm. trust me, I would, <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm just using my phone for now. And I'm just taking probably like the rest of them, you know, 50 or so pictures and yeah. what picking a, which ones stand out. What about lighting? What are you using for a backdrop lighting? Have you got like an odd light or some type of, um, you know, retractable light? Um, yeah, lighting is huge, man. It's, it's huge for, for tying. So you're getting, I mean, like I found that once I up my game and I bought a few lights, like my, my tying finishing skill, uh, it went up. Mm-hmm. Like I noticed a big difference in the quality of my flies. Um, but I'm using a overhead gooseneck on my left and also my right. But then I also have a small, um, it's almost like a fisheye gooseneck that is actually a magnet and it, it's, uh, it's right on my pedestal and my vice. So it's pointing right down, um, on the fly. So I have lights all over making it or giving me the ability to see what I, what I need to see in, in color shades and common shades that are very close. And then obviously those really, really small patterns, it makes it a breeze to tie. That's a great pro tip right there. Yeah. Good stuff. 
So where where do we get your flies? I, I mean, I look at your patterns all the time, and but I found you through through Instagram at mm-hmm. Naked Lion BC. Is what's the yeah. best way to get a hold of you? Uh, as of right now, um, you know, I expected this year to go a little bit less busy than it has gone. As uh, I've been working on a website, that way it makes it a little bit easier for the consumer um, to purchase my flies, but. Casting Loops Fly and Tackle, uh, they constantly have them stocked there. That's an easy one, and I think they do online orders for that as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, even as something as simple as just giving me a DM message through Instagram, I mean, that's that's easy to all work with you on, on whatever pattern you want, whether it be custom or, or you know, an already pre-made pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's easy to get a hold of me and keep it uh, business casual and, and yeah, we'll get you what you need. I love it. Hey, um, Matt, keep up the good work, man. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate your time and uh, love what you're up to. And uh, maybe we can uh, connect at some point in uh, in the uh, Thompson Nicola chase some fins. Yeah, yeah, and maybe I'll see you at the BC Outdoor Show next year. Or, oh yeah, or something like that if you're there. Absolutely, without. Uh, but it was my pleasure. Thank you. We were chatting tonight with Matt Krieger. Matt is out of Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada, the heart of still waters. Um, look him up on Instagram at Naked Line BC. Commercial Tire, Pro Staff with Semperfly, Raid Zap, Arex Hooks, and you can pick up his patterns at Casting Loops in Kamloops, BC. Thanks for joining us this time around. We'll catch you next time. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.